a walk through any garden center presents new delights, which leaves me wanting more. And while there are thousands of people working across our state to help satisfy me, it can take years to produce the plants I desire. I'm Lise Jenkins, and this is the Triangle Gardener Show. We're your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. Support from Garden Destinations made this story possible. Garden Destinations is a digital magazine showcasing the world's finest public gardens. Now, whether you're planning a trip or just doing some armchair traveling, Garden Destinations is a great stop on your journey. You can find them at GardenDestinations.com. According to the North Carolina Nursery and Landscape Association, there are over 1,400 growers in our state, producing a wide variety of plants. The USDA Census of Horticulture ranked North Carolina sixth in the country in horticulture production, with more than $570 million in sales. Creating the plants that eventually make it into my garden is a big business, so I decided to take a closer look. My first stop was the J.C. Ralston Arboretum, whose mission is to promote plants that diversify our landscape. My name is Bryce Lane, and I am a retired university um, instructor from the Department of Horticultural Science at NC State. Although I am back teaching part-time, I teach courses um, in home gardening, home landscaping, uh, basic um, horticulture, plant identification. Been teaching at State for over 35 years. We're talking here today over the J.C. Ralston Arboretum. And when this Arboretum was started, J.C. Ralston was, was sort of famous for saying there were about, you know, 40 different plants on the market countrywide. That's not the case now. I mean, the garden centers literally are bursting with choices, and the industry keeps bringing new choices out. And I have to ask, it seems at times as a gardener, it's a little overwhelming. Is it a good thing that we keep getting new plants? I mean, do we, do we need all these new plants, and is it really a good thing? Well, I think it's a great thing because, you know, with diversity comes strength. And so in the long run, I think the, the more unique and, and interesting plants we have, the, the, uh, the more successful our gardens will be. Now, that being said, I think what's happened, and it would be really quite remarkable to sit down and have a conversation with JC today because when he started, like you said, 40 basic woody species were available at garden centers. And today you go in, there are thousands available, and there's one, a new one being introduced every five minutes. I, I say that, I, I'm, that's just you know, kind of more of an... Ex- Here's the caution. The caution, though, is they come, they're coming so fast, so many, that I'm not necessarily sure, and this isn't a statement of accusation as much as observation, that we don't know enough about the, the sustainability of that plant over time. Is it going to be a time-tested plant? The term time-tested describes plants that have been around for a long time. They perform very well in a multitude of environmental locations. What I've noticed, personal observation, okay, not a declaration, but what I've noticed is a lot of new plants are being introduced. We put them in the landscape. They don't, they languish. We try to move them. They languish some more. They're not as... um, tolerant of a wide array of environmental light, soil, temperature environments. It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't, that's not false advertising, but I get a lot of calls. People say, how come it doesn't look like it looks on the tag? Say, well, perhaps you've got it in a location that it's not ideal. Um, So I wonder if for some new plants, that ideal location is really a very, very small area where time-tested plants have a real wide 
very, very um, tolerable area of success. So Bryce, you have had a lot of experience with people selecting plants, helping people think about what plants work for them. What goes into that first choice? Why do I walk into a garden center bursting with things and pick one plant over another? Right. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting having worked in a garden center as a youngster, when I say youngster, a teenager, um, I actually had firsthand kind of observation of what, what kinds of criteria people use to select plants. And although we'd like to think that they're, they make sense, usually it's, is it in flower? And so that's why springtime is such an incredible time from a psychological perspective um, to shop a garden center because most things have been, uh, you know, most things that are being merchandised are either getting ready to flower in flower or just having finished flowering. And so the, the, that drives a lot of sales. So, you know, I think the industry is trying really hard to educate the general public on the kinds of questions you need to ask when you're selecting plants so that, They'll, they'll, one, survive, two, they'll provide what it is that you need, and three, um, that, that it will not require a lot of inputs with a lot of emphasis now on sustainability. You know, the idea of reducing the amount of water, fertilizer, um, pesticides, all those things contribute to a successful, you know, gardening experience. So um, I think the industry is really kind of tuned into trying to educate people on how to select plants, um, both from an educational perspective, but also from a marketing perspective. The marketing and education activities that Bryce is talking about only happen if you've developed a great plant that you want to introduce into the market. Now, I'm hooked on hydrangeas, and I grow several different varieties in my garden. Last season, I fell for this new variety called Lava Lamp Flare. It's a popular, award-winning plant, and it's marketed by Blooming Easy Plants. So I decided to call them up and find out what goes into creating the perfect hydrangea. I'm Devon Friesen. I work as the vice president at Van Bell Nursery, and I'm also the brand manager for Bloom and Easy Plants. You might have caught his accent. Devon's Canadian, and he travels across North America and Europe, visiting breeders, searching for those few plants to bring back to their development facilities in Canada. So let's talk a little bit about your hydrangeas, the, the Lava Lamp series. Talk to me a little bit about how many different types or different plants you looked at um, before you brought that selection to market? So in other words, you know, are you starting with a thousand different plants that you're considering before you get down to that one perfect plant? Give me a, a sense of the scope here, the sizing. Sure, sure. You know, and, and each breeder um, has a different approach, and, and plants can emerge in different ways. Sometimes... Uh, someone will find a sport that they think is interesting, a, a little um, one branch that somehow is acting differently, which is just a natural thing that happens with plants. And they'll have, uh, and then they'll plant that, they'll, they'll make a cutting, and, and they'll, they'll find something special. And uh, that's a bit more by chance. And um, so that's, that's one way that we will find a plant from a breeder or a grower somewhere in the world that has discovered something. Uh, and then the other way is with more um, uh, dedicated breeding that happens. And, and when, with that, with a dedicated breeding program, uh, the numbers can be quite large where the breeders will um, produce and do all kinds of crossings uh, and plant out little seedlings, 
of all these these different combinations, and they will plant out. It can be up to uh, 15, 20,000 little seedlings. Then they'll watch those. They'll they'll start to to cull out the ones that maybe look a little diseased or didn't make it through the winter, and they'll whittle that down. And they'll come to, you know, maybe they'll they'll plant out and grow out um, maybe a hundred different. Uh, potential seedlings and and then those hundred they'll grow maybe for for two three years and just watch how they flower uh, because with hydrangeas of course uh, the the flower is a big part of it uh, and the structure is a big part of it the leaf health and and so from any given year they will they will then out of those hundred they they sometimes will choose none because none um, because none of the selections actually turned out. And sometimes they might choose two or three that have a future. So it, it, it's a lot of work that goes, goes through it. So it's fair Does to that say... that answer your question? It's, I, I'm trying to envision, you mentioned also that you're working with multiple breeders, so I'm envisioning tens of thousands of plants to come down to that one perfect plant that shows up in my garden. That, that is exactly how it works. Um, so that there's a lot of work that goes into it, and there's just so many factors, environmental factors and, and geography. Again, um, what a plant that maybe performs you know, really well in Holland, for instance, in the Netherlands, comes here, and it's a good plant, but it's not, it doesn't maybe get the same color for whatever reason that the intensity of the sunlight, the, the seasonal change, the nighttime temperatures, so many factors. Well, I want to ask you a hard question. Um, while we're talking about different traits, and I know you're going to tell me it depends, but I'm going to try to pin you down here. <laughs> when you're looking at your hydrangeas, what are the top traits that, that matter to you when you're making your decision, when you're you know, making that go, no go decision. What are, what's at the top of your list as far as traits that you're looking for? Okay. Well, one, one thing that we're always looking for is how compact is this hydrangea when it's full grown? Because they're, um, the older varieties, um, often were very beautiful, but they were very large. So, so a big trait that we're looking for is, is it compact in its natural form? And that will, that just means it's much lower maintenance and it'll stay well behaved in, you know, in, in yards that typically are getting smaller and smaller. Uh, and also, uh, when they're more compact, you can uh, enjoy them in a container on your patio, which we also know is a, uh, is a growing trend. So that's probably one of the top things we look for to begin. So it would be compactness and structure because often as well with uh, hydrangea paniculata, the blooms can be so gorgeous, but they can also be very heavy. So we're looking for compact and strong stems to keep those nice blooms up and not hanging over and dragging on the ground. So so structure is number one. I'm curious when you have a, let's just say, 10-year process to go from an idea to a plant that's available for me to buy in the garden center, how do you forecast 
10 years into the future. So what are you looking for um, a decade from now from the plants that you're looking to get into the market in 10 years? What kinds of trends are you working towards that you see coming to play in the in, in homeowners, um, the kinds of gardening we're going to be doing, and the kinds of things that you're going to bring to market? Well, I think, I think one thing that, that we we have faith in is that a well-performing, beautiful plant never goes out of style. Because you're right, it, it's a long, it's a long process, and uh, it, it's definitely possible. We we do see that um, some certain types of varieties, uh, you know, go in and out of fashion. However, what what we do know is again, color uh, has never really gone out of fashion. So. So that's one thing that we, we keep our eyes focused on. Uh, the other longer-term trends um, that, that we see uh, unfolding not over months or a year or two, but over a decade, would be to, to look for plants that have those attributes of beauty and appropriate size, but also uh, things like... Um, disease resistance, we want, we want to find plants that are naturally resistant to, to predators and other issues they may, they may face. Uh, the other aspect that we see as a long-term uh, uh, reality is water usage. And, and so we're also looking, we're always looking for plants that, uh, that can handle lower uh, that have lower water needs, and and again we see that um, as as not coming in and out of fashion. I think that's going to be with us uh, for the foreseeable future. It's sobering that Devon and his colleagues see a world of smaller, drier gardens, and are working to develop plants that'll fit into that future. Lately, I've been sort of down about a few plants I lost over the winter, but Bryce reminds me that gardening it's experimenting. You know, I mean, if I get 80% success in my garden from any new plants I bring in any given year, that's a really good year. So that means I'm very, very okay with 20% failure. Oh, you're making me feel so much better. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's just, you know, I think gardening is a process. And for me, it's not just the end result. It's the, it's the selection. It's the trial. It's the moving. It's all those activities that are involved with trying to be successful. You know, there have been years where, you know, I'll lose 40% of the new plants that I, I brought in in my garden for, and I'll be okay with that. You know, I, I signed, that's what I signed up for, you know. Um, and people, people look at me funny when I say this, and I say it frequently, especially publicly. They're just plants. So if they die, I, I'm not, that's, that just spells opportunity for me as a gardener because that, that leaves a space for another one. Bryce is right. Last winter didn't kill some of my plants. It just made an empty space so I can try out something new. Now, I'll have to wait to see if the hydrangea that Devon and his colleagues made proves to be a time-tested plant. But in the meantime, I'll keep trying new plants. Maybe we really do need all these new ones after all. I'm Lise Jenkins, and this is the Triangle Gardener Show. We're your guide to enjoyable gardening in North Carolina. You can find this and other episodes of our podcast on our website, trianglegardener.com, on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.